welcome back to the happy hour of palate cleansing newscast. Shaylin, did you just say newscast? Yes, that's what we are. <laughs> Moving on, where we talk about happy news and creative solutions to the issues of today. And we believe news is best heard over a glass of your favorite drink, whatever that may be. I'm Malachi Wade. And I'm Shaylin Martos. And we're back with season three of The Happy Hour. We're so excited to be able to bring you some happy news, community solutions, interesting interviews, and of course, more cocktails. And we're amping things up now with some upcoming merch, such as stickers, a coffee for donations, and we'll talk about that later, and more. There's lots of things coming for The Happy Hour, Mm -hmm. and we're so excited to share it with you. All right, let's get into a bit of a news lightning round, a few headlines that we wanted to highlight. Breaking news that just rolled in while we were recording, according to the SF Chronicle, Prop 22, which exempts gig working companies like Uber and Lyft from treating drivers as employees, is unconstitutional as ruled by an Alameda County judge. This is huge because we talked about Prop 22 in a previous episode uh, with Olivia Winecoop and how it was really messing up gig workers and Mm -hmm. how they were able to make money. It passed due to a lot of people not fully understanding what the prop meant, and that's written on purpose. Exactly, and how much money these companies put into the ad campaigns Mm -hmm. for Prop 22. Many schools returned for in-person classes this week, which is leaving some students excited to be back in person and a lot of parents worried about their children's safety. I drove past Santa Cruz High the other day as it was letting out, and it was a surreal experience because I haven't seen that in over a year. (laughs) I'm just imagining, like, for some reason, you're playing MCR, and you're just driving (laughs) past teenagers scare the living shit out of me. (laughs) Speaking of that, the Biden administration plans to make booster shots available to everyone starting September 20th. However, this won't go through without official FDA and CDC approval. Health officials have cited a drop in effectiveness for the vaccine, while the public is increasingly concerned about the Delta variant and other variants. So, Mm. a booster may be a good idea. Keep in mind, though, that any booster shots have to be eight months after your second vaccine dose, according to the Washington Post. So technically, both you and I would not be eligible right now. Yeah. This week, Moderna has started phase one of the human trials on its mRNA HIV vaccine. The trial will go until spring 2023. Similar to how the mRNA COVID vaccines work, the HIV vaccine will help the body produce different proteins to build an immune response to fight HIV if contracted, according to IFL Science. That is amazing. I know. That it's, is just it's amazing. It's huge. And there's a few other HIV vaccines that are currently in the works, but this one has made the most progress so far. Mm. The latest episode of KQD's The Bay talked about how our conversations about wildfires need to change. Language in the media is important because it sets an example of how to talk about something within your community. The Bay recommends shifting our language away from acreage and containment and towards a more human-focused conversation that takes indigenous stewardship practices like good fire into account. We also need to talk about how we treat firefighters. Mm -hmm. We call them heroes, but pay them minimum wage and overwork them. Not to mention all of the firefighters who are also incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So so go and catch the full episode. It's good food for thought during fire season. And now that I don't work for the Bay, I can plug the Bay all I want. (laughs) (laughs) Go listen to the Bay. As I'm sure many of you have seen, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC, released its report on the effects of our current climate status and what the future might look like. A lot of people take the numbers and immediately have a grim outlook, talking about the apocalypse, how we can never go back, etc. 
We wanted to bring this up because it's still important to stay educated and not be a doom and gloom person, however hard it may be. We'll link a piece from YR Media with some suggestions for how to get involved in our show notes. We at the Happy Hour want to acknowledge the violence in Afghanistan now retaken by Taliban forces and share resources for how folks can assist Afghan people here in the Bay Area and internationally. I will be transparent and say that I've actively avoided news about Afghanistan for the past couple weeks. I live with my father, a disabled vet, and the constant barrage of news and treatment of information on social media is traumatic for the both of us. We've linked resources in the show notes. Please remember, if you want to enact change, it requires concerted effort to educate yourself and others, and systemic organizing in your communities, local, national, and international. Just be careful of what you're spreading. Mm-hmm. San Francisco has become one of the cities requiring proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to dine inside at restaurants and bars. Also, some indoor concert venues such as the SAP Center in San Jose will start requiring proof as well. So how does one show that proof? We just wanted to make sure everyone knows how so there's no confusion at the door. Option one, flash that beautiful doesn't quite fit in your wallet CDC vaccination card. Some places may require an ID to corroborate, so be prepared to show that too. Option two, visit myvaccinerecord.cdph.ca.gov or Google digital vaccine record if you don't want to type that in. You'll be able to access your vaccine records and take a nice screenshot on your phone to show off. Option three, If you're not fully vaccinated, follow the guidelines for proper testing and quarantine before going out. And also, if you medically can, get vaccinated and see options one and two. In Oakland, the children of immigrants are working to educate their communities on the COVID-19 vaccine. In Alameda County, Black and Latinx people are vaccinated at lower rates than more affluent places in the Bay Area like San Francisco and like Piedmont. But that's Piedmont. The SF Chronicle chose to focus on the efforts of outreach workers in Fruitvale, where a third of residents has yet to be fully vaccinated. The UCSF Latinx Center of Excellence, the Unity Council in Oakland, and La Clinica Fruitvale Village are working together to train community ambassadors to canvas in Spanish, Vietnamese, Cantonese, Tagalog, and Arabic. So young folks are canvassing door-to-door, clipboard in hand, to not only quell the fears of unvaccinated people, but also share how easy it can be to get a shot. Because for some people, it is just lack of access. Because mm-hmm. their concerns are varied, though. Some are distrustful of the vaccine itself, or afraid of getting sick from the side effects and missing work. Some are worried about going to the official vaccination sites, like the Coliseum, in case their immigration status becomes an issue. Some are relying on their faith to protect them. But canvassing is the cornerstone of systemic organizing. No matter the efforts of local and federal government, nothing beats one-on-one interpersonal communication between community members. For anyone still unvaccinated, La Clinica continues to serve as a safe vaccination site for undocumented individuals. More info can be found in our show notes. Ecosystems require balance, and for the struggling kelp forests of Northern California, balance has definitely been thrown off. Kelp captures carbon from the sea and atmosphere just like coral reefs do. Remember when there was an ocean heat wave a few years ago? Well, that killed off a lot of nutrients and made it hard for the kelp forests to thrive, according to KQED. Following that heat wave, a disease wiped out a lot of the sunflower sea stars, one of the natural predators of a small purple sea urchin that has been dubbed the zombie urchin because it has been feasting on the remaining bulk kelp forests. 
It also has this super comforting ability to not eat for like decades, waiting for kelp to grow, then it feeds. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. And they're like tiny little spiky urchins, you know? The vibe is very aggressive. According to UC Santa Cruz, the area of the Northern California coast covered by kelp forests has dropped by more than 95%. However, scientists have begun experimenting with ways to deal with the purple urchin problem. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife granted a nonprofit called the Nature Conservancy Project permission to capture zombie urchins. Trapping the urchins is so far the best ways to restore balance and give the kelp forests time to rejuvenate. Sea temperatures have also returned to levels pre-ocean heat wave, which will hopefully help the kelp. Other solutions include capture via diving and trying to reintroduce purple urchin predators to the ecosystem. All these efforts will have to work in tandem to restore our coastal kelp forest. The Biden administration just approved the biggest increase in food stamp benefits in the program's history. The Agriculture Department also revised their nutrition standards for the program to budget for more healthy, economical diets, according to the New York Times. Families will receive an average of nearly $40 more per person each month starting this October. This raises the average monthly per person benefits from $121 to $157, according to NPR. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, has honestly been a mess for a long time. Black and Indigenous folks and people of color are at higher risk of food insecurity, and for half a century, the program has shortchanged families in need. Many folks of color are forced to buy unhealthy, cheaper food to try and stretch their monthly benefits. And the pandemic has only made it more difficult for families with lost incomes and health concerns to put food on the table. Researchers from the Urban Institute recently found that the maximum aid for food stamps could not buy a modest diet in 96% of American counties. Wow. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. This new plan will raise the program's cost by about $20 billion per year, which is a ton of money, in addition to all the other high-budget plans the administration is enacting, like the $1.8 trillion American Families Plan, all efforts to try and help families in need. And I think that this is definitely like one of those things that needs to be revamped because mm-hmm. the Biden administration is saying that they're going to make it uh, like childcare accessible, that they're going to make free meals accessible for oh, wow. uh, underprivileged kids. I remember the first time that I signed up for SNAP, dude, they gave me $12 a month. Wow. $12 a month. I called the office, like the Social Security office, and I was like, um, what am I supposed to do with $12 a month? And they were like, well, a lot of people do save it. So like... You could just save it for a couple months. I was like, I need to eat today. Like, Not I don't need to eat. in October. Yeah. That's just, that was like a single student working two jobs. I can only imagine if you got like four kids. Coming up, we have our illustrious social media manager and Bay City News photo intern Harika Madala here to celebrate their birthday and share what they're working on. Stay tuned. I got to say it this time. Yeah, you did. Welcome to our first ad on the happy hour. It's Malachi, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new way that you can get involved with the show. Drum roll, it's to donate. We have set up a coffee so that you can send us a small donation because we run on caffeine and pastries primarily. You can find our coffee either in the link in our bio on Instagram and Twitter or by going to coffee.com slash the happy hour podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash the happy hour podcast. 
We will be rolling out some exciting gifts, including stickers for folks who donate. So drop us a DM if you did, and we'll add you to the list. And don't be shy, share the link. All right, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And we are joined by Haruka Madala, she, they pronouns, photo intern for Bay City News and SF State alum. Welcome, Haruka. How are you today? I'm good. I'm like super pumped. I'm, I'm so pumped, too. We're really excited to have you on um, on the show because you've been working with us for a little bit and we love you and you're a really good friend. And we're just excited to talk about, you know, your work. Thank you for having me over. We've been wanting to interview you since we started working with you about in April, but this feels like a good a good way to start season three. So we already know all of this, but for everybody else, tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from and how did you get into journalism? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, so my name is Harika Matala. I am from India. I moved here three years ago, three, three and a half years ago, and um. So I did my bachelor's in journalism when I was in India. I got into journalism because my mom used to work for the radio as a political news analyst. And we used to watch news 24-7. And I was like, I can't think of anything better. This is what I want to do in my life. And then I moved here and I had the choice between photojournalism and print online. And was like, I've always been into photography. So I thought this is a good choice for me. And I just applied for photojournalism and I got in. I love that inspiration that you got from your mom and and a, your a, ability to turn it into something that you really love to do. So like she was on the radio and you were doing mm-hmm. photo visual, which is just really nice to see like the multi uh, the multiple sections of your journalism family. That's so cute. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Taking inspiration from her and moving on and, and doing it in a way that that really speaks to you because you are immensely talented Malachi and I are huge fans of your work and um, if anybody listening has not seen Haruka's work then you need to see it (laughs) because she's just absolutely amazing as the photo intern for Bay City News and we're wondering how you got that internship. So I was honestly very desperate towards the end of college and I started applying for pretty much everything I came across Mm -hmm. and one of the organizations I applied for was Emma Bowen Foundation and they were offering fellowship for college students and they would place us into internships across media organizations in different fields. Could be sales, could be journalism, technical stuff, anything. Mm -hmm. And they were mainly looking for people of color. And I got into this organization and they put me with Bay City News and I couldn't have been more thankful for this. Bay City News has been amazing, like nothing short of amazing. So their photo department is brand new and I'm technically one of their first photo interns. I mean, they've had photojournalism students from SF State Mm -hmm. before, but it was, they were just doing reporting work and clicking pictures and everything. But Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like their first photo intern. And the editor over there is amazing. He gives me brilliant feedback. He's so patient with me. Um, just I'm having a great time there. Oh, that's so great to know. And it's like an honor for you to be in this position. I, I just want to know, what is it like to work for a wire service? I I can't wrap my head around it because your work, right? You You take a photo and then that photo could be used by mm-hmm. all of these different outlets. Yes. So 
you could have your name all across the state, all across the country, depending on what you take photos of. I, I just want to hear a little bit more about that. For sure. Oh, um, so I honestly didn't know how it worked when I first started my internship. They said it was going to be a wire service. So there's more work. There's more assignments I'm going out on every day. Mm-hmm. And I just do get my pictures, upload them. And I just don't know where it goes. Sometimes I just <laughs> I do this thing that Laura taught us back in college. Just uh, Google your name from incognito tab. So I just Google Harika Badala, Bay City News, and I just see my pictures popping across different platforms like um, Cron4, NBC. They just put these pictures on the server, and whoever is like tied with them, they take these pictures, they publish their articles, pictures, and everything. So whenever someone asks me when I'm about interviewing people or getting their pictures, I'm like, hey, I'm with the news, and I get their names and stuff. They're like, where can I find my picture? I'm like, well, we're a newswire service and it goes across different platforms. So basically your picture can be anywhere between Cron4 and NBC could be anywhere. You're going to be famous. And they're like, oh my God, I'm going to be famous. What other projects are you currently working on? I received this grant called Fran Ortiz Grant, which they give out to photojournalists of majors every year. And it is named after this SF examiner photographer who worked for examiner between the 60s and 90s and he died of cancer in late 90s and he also happened to be one of SF State photojournalism professors and they named this grant after him and they fund one photojournalism project every year and in 2020 they didn't do it because of COVID so in 2021 they were giving out to two students and I honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to get it. I just applied. I, I saw it. And um, there's this thing I've been working on for almost a year now. So I've, I've been covering a lot of police brutality, protests and cases and all of that. And I've been trying to like figure out a way to put it all together and make sense out of the work I'm mm-hmm. doing. And I thought this would be like a good opportunity. So now I get to work on the aftermath of police violence. I'm looking at what kind of effect police brutality would have on the families of the victims. Um, Mm. Honestly, I know that this has been like overdone in the news, just about police brutality and how many like, you know, cases happen every day. This city, that city, Vallejo, Stockton, Oakland, everywhere. So I had to like think of what better way I could connect. I had to speak with families because... I know about the cases. I know about what's going in the court. Nobody's going to talk about these families. What happens to them after they lose their loved ones? What What is their life going to be like? So this story is so important. It's also a really heavy topic. Like you said, some things can be overdone. Maybe some people aren't really doing justice to the families. And there's a lot of groundwork to build with the community in order to report respectfully. So how have you been reaching out to families for this project? Honestly, I've been very nervous, extremely nervous about how families would respond. I would just come up, like have this common message I would have for everyone just like, hey, there's this project that I'm working on and I've been working on it for a year and I'm finally reaching out to you because I have this money. They're paying for me for doing this. And this is, you know, about you and your family and what you've been through. And mm-hmm. so I just put that whole message and send out to them. Honestly, I, I wasn't even sure if people would answer back and they wanted their story out there. I found out that a lot of these people didn't have a platform 
to get their story across. Mm-hmm. And especially the first person I reached out to, she's the mother of Antoine Boris. Her name is Stephanie Hatton. And the moment I reached out to them, she's like, I'd be more than happy to share my story with you. And she thanked me so many times for reaching out to them and taking their pictures and hearing them out. And yeah, so sometimes we are afraid of reaching out to them because we don't know what kind of response we would get from them. But more than often, people want to tell their stories and they don't have the right platform. I think that's a really important skill that is often, you know, maybe maybe it's taught, but maybe it's not. And um, just being able to reach out to potential sources with that compassion and understanding is something that I think adds to your skills as a good journalist. And I think it's also really important because like you said, they don't have as big of a platform. And once, you know, once the event happens and it's all in the media and then it's out of the limelight, it's kind of Mm -hmm. forgotten. And I think that it's important to continue to build empathy and compassion with as many people as possible through these types of Mm -hmm. stories. 100%. For me, especially because I'm from India and the police situation is so different back home, Mm -hmm. knowing that police can shoot people and kill people and get away with it was like a huge shock for me. For someone like me, an outsider who just moved here to America, for me, there's like a different picture of America itself. Like, this is supposed to be like a paradise. Everyone wants to move here. All immigrants want to be here and have a better life. Mm-hmm. And we move here. And out, of, and out of all states in America, California is this even bigger paradise. Like, the paradise of the paradises. Mm-hmm. Such a good place. Such a liberal state. And you're in the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley. And you still hear these stories of people of color having to fear for their lives. Mm-hmm from the very people who are supposed to protect you, law enforcement officers, and they're killing you. So and as I read more about it, I've heard about more and more cases, and it wasn't even from the past. There were so many police shootings in 2020 itself after George mm-hmm. Floyd in the Bay Area, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, this can be yeah. it. You've really had to adjust to the culture here, specifically surrounding policing in California, as you mentioned. How did your journalistic experience in India prepare you for your work here? Um, Honestly, not much, because um, (laughs) although I got a bachelor's degree in journalism, a lot of my work was in news production. So I was interning with a TV channel, Mm -hmm. uh, helping them produce news content and everything. So I wasn't really interviewing people or doing any reporting so just moving here I had to learn I felt like I had to learn everything from scratch going to Essex State and taking the reporting classes and everything. When did you start uh, photographing things and people? I was around 14. That's when my, my dad got a bonus pay at work And he was like, I want to invest in a digital camera. Why not? And then we went on a trip and I was like, this is cool. Let me play with it. And I started photographing a bunch of hills and flowers. And my parents were like, that looks cool. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, so there's this running thing, uh, joke kind of thing inside my family. So today, 19th August is my birthday. And it also happens to be World Photography Day. So I'm always like, well, I was born on World Photography Day. Duh, they're going to look good. 
So um, <laughs> I kind <laughs> of kept cute. that going, and I've been I I just I felt like I started getting better at it. So I asked my dad if I could get a DSLR camera, like a really basic one, and he got me one. Mm. And I think over the time I learned um, the technicalities of camera, and then I was like, hey, maybe I can actually have a career in photography, you know. They said no at first because they're Indian and they want me to be a doctor or an engineer. And then they're like, well, I'm sorry. At this point, I have a bachelor's degree in journalism. You don't have an option. Just get me a camera. I want to be a photographer. You were like, so, oops, sorry. Too late. <laughs> yes, too late. <laughs> so in the beginning of the interview, uh, you mentioned using or you mentioned clicking uh, photos. Oh, and yes. uh, we just like wanted to to highlight that because it's. Uh, seems like such a good replacement for shooting. Oh, it's honestly one of the common words we use in India. You just say clicking a picture or taking a picture. And since it, you have the camera shut, shutter button and you're clicking the button. So it just came from that, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just continued with it over here although most people you're shooting. It's like a little weird for me. Hey, I want to shoot your pictures. No, I, I don't want to say yeah. that. And people usually don't say shoot your pictures. They'll be like, oh, I, I shot you today. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. I, sh I shot some people in in uh, Union Square and you're like, huh? And they're like holding up their camera. Like it's obvious, but it's it feels so American to like uh, relate anything that has to do with pointing something at another person to be shooting. Exactly. So I'm really glad you introduced us to this alternative and I hope that it catches on because I think it's really fun. Yes, it's cooler and people will remember me saying it. I mean, like, let's do it the hard way. <laughs> well, yeah, make sure that everyone's attributing it. They're like, yeah. you know what? I know other folks use this, but Haruka's the one who taught me. Mm -hmm. so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> On top of Bay City News and this Fran Ortiz project, you've also started working with the Happy Hour on yes. social media uh, since April. And we just wanted to say thank you, Harika, for everything you do for us and have done for us. You are our social media and graphics wizard and a wonderful friend. And happy birthday. <gasps> it is your you. birthday. Thank You're you. You're wor literally working on your birthday. I mean, this is fun. This is like a fun work thing. But. Yes. <laughs> Hey, Pops. you're interviewing me, so technically this is not work. No, we're so happy to have you on the team. Is there anything that you're excited for this upcoming season? Oh, yes, so many things. I mean, I'm designing more newer things, and we also now have coffee. We can ask people to buy us coffee, so we're going to get donations, <laughs> which is even better. And I'm also excited about all the new things we have planned including like the gifts that people get if they donate mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i can't yeah. wait yeah we're we're just really excited we actually um little last call before the last call when this drops on saturday it'll be two days after your birthday but the day before we all get to be together for the first time in a long time so yeah, so we just want to say thank you, Haruka, and happy, happy birthday. Thank you're you're you. what, 20, 23 today? Yes, 23. Is there anything you want to plug, your social media, your LinkedIn, anything oh, yes. that, anywhere people can find your photos? Oh my God, like the first thing you can do is Google my name, it's Haruka Madala, H-A-R-K-A-M-A-D-D-A-L-A, -A -A. I'm famous. I just tell people that you can Google me, I'm famous, but you can also find me on Instagram at 
the third eye diaries like my lens is supposed to be my third eye which is like a very hindu thing but i'm like this is cool i want to do this so you can find me on third eye diaries bye haruka we'll thank see you, you so much tomorrow yes see you soon <laughs> bye guys bye bye Welcome back, everyone, to the happiest of hours. We're so lucky to have Haruka on board with us. They're a wonderful person and a dynamite team member, and we love them We're so never going to stop bragging about Haruka, like literally <laughs> never. No, she's amazing. We're, we love her. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for my favorite part of the show, our tailor-made cocktail. This week, we wanted to honor Haruka's birthday with our last summer cocktail of the year, a sweet, refreshing, and blended mojito. This one is for all of our August Leos, our last hurrah Leonine hotties. This blended mojito serves three to four people, so it's perfect for your end of summer celebrations. This is called Rum from Your Responsibilities. Just rum away. <laughs> Just rum away. <laughs> I I did think for a minute about doing rum away from your rip, rum responsibilities. I think that's a little bit too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> too hot to handle. Too hot. Like most Leos. Mm-hmm. Here's what you'll need. Ice, two cups of coconut milk, four to six ounces of white rum, four ounces of lime juice, one cup of frozen or cubed mango, Two ounces of simple syrup, if you want it, this drink can get really sweet really quick, and mint for garnish. Blended drinks are top tier in part because they serve lots of folks and also because they're so easy to prepare. And yes, technically this is not a mojito, a Cuban highball, because of multiple reasons, but we make the rules here. We, we, literally, we literally make the rules. So. Fill your blender about halfway with ice. Pour in the coconut milk, mangoes, lime juice, and rum. For the mocktail version, just leave out the rum. It's just as good as most of our cocktails are. (laughs) Pour in some simple syrup if you want the drink to be real sweet. Then you just blend it till smooth. You can also add more rum or lime to taste. Make it just the way you like it. Then you serve in a tall glass with a straw and gently slap a sprig of mint across your palm. This releases the aromatics and place the sprig on top as garnish and enjoy. This is such a tasty drink for late summer birthday celebrations with your close vaccinated friends, or you can make it for yourself. But Malachi and I are really excited to make and share this drink with Haruka at their birthday brunch. We hope you enjoy rum from your responsibilities. You can find all our cocktails on our Instagram at THH podcast or on our website linked in the show notes. And now it's time for our last call. Malachi, what's making you happy this week? I have a few things. Um, The big thing is that I've been preparing to take, finally take Spanish at a college. Um, It has been years since I've taken a language and I have a lot of textbooks to buy, a lot of money to spend. And it's going to be in person too, which I'm actually really excited about. And the community college that I'm taking it at Cabrillo College is requiring vaccinations and masks. Um, So I'm, I'm not super concerned and I really hope it's kind of a small class Uh, but the teacher is supposed to be really great my mom took her as well you can practice with me yes thank you also last weekend I hosted my very first D&D in person game Um, I have been DMing for as you all know for Shaylin and a group of friends uh, for a little over a year now and 
I have never DM'd in person. So that was a really fun experience, just getting to sit at the head of the table, um, feel the respect flowing toward me in waves, um, and feeling the power, honestly, of being able to just really fuck it up out there. Um, but no, it was great. great. We were, we were really able to, I think, make more jokes than we do on zoom, which is Mm -hmm. really what it's all about for me is just making something fun and funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So awesome. That was really nice. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was really nice to have, cause I'm the only person that previously knew everyone on the team. Mm -hmm. You so brought us it all was, together. Yeah. So it was your first time meeting my brother, my brother's first time meeting you and my partner, and and then our friends' first time meeting my brother. It's just like, it's, it was everyone just together for the first time. And mm-hmm. honestly, we all got along so well. I was a little bit worried about that, but we had so much in common. Everyone was able to relate on their love of Skyrim, and I was able to watch as they <laughs> talked about Skyrim. So everyone was happy. <laughs> So, Shaylin, what else is making you happy this week? So, uh, I finished a pretty big project, a first draft um, for a pretty big project, or like the draft that goes to the higher-ups, and I, I can't really tell details about it, but I'm very proud of it. Uh, I started working for YR Media since the last time that we produced an episode full-time, because I think I was working with them only part-time the last time we did an episode, and... Mm-hmm. And it's been absolutely amazing. And it's kind of like, you know, my job is to is to help the younger folks. The age range is 14 to 24 for uh, the people who are in mm-hmm. YR Media's programs. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with younger folks who are just getting their first foray into journalism. And, you know, there's like there's like that sound on TikTok and it's Drake's Know Yourself. It's like, <laughs> I was running through the six with my wolves, right? And that's how I felt for a little bit when I was starting out. And I was like, I haven't produced as much of my own work because I've been mentoring younger folks to produce their own. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've been mentoring folks to produce their own. <laughs> so Look that's just here. been, I know it's been, it's been really wonderful. And, um, and yeah, I'll update everybody when I have updates for that. We're back. We're back, we Malachi. Back doing what we love we love to this we literally do this just because we love to do it and mm-hmm. i think that you know us bringing on haruka as well another person who just loves this project and that means the world to me and maybe someday we'll find someone who really loves editing our audio <laughs> if you're out there yeah we need a out. lot more coffee donations before we bring <laughs> on another person i know i know <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Happy Hour. We'll be back in two weeks with more happy news and tailor-made drinks. Thank you to Armand Bellamoria for our wonderful theme music. Harika Madala for running our social media and being our illustrious guest this week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. The Happy Hour is produced by Malachi Wade and Shaylin Martos. 